Hey, it's so good to have you out today. Thank you, worship team, for leading us. Wow, so, so good. I think we should give a big shout out to John Garner, our video guy, for hitting all those lyrics on that song. Come on, let's make some noise for John. <laughs> wow, so good, so good. Um, my name is Rich. I'm uh, one of the pastors here, and I just want to let you know a few things that are happening in the life of our church before we dive into the message this morning. We are uh, um, kind of in the process of small groups in our church getting going and getting ramped up a little bit. If you want to be connected in community beyond, beyond what happens here on a weekend, I'd encourage you to get connected in a small group. We do life together. We laugh together. We eat together. We are, it's, just, it's, it's about following Jesus together. And so I'd encourage you to connect. Specifically, I want to highlight this Wednesday morning, there's a men's small group starting. Uh, it's it's uh, called, they're doing a study called Tender Warrior, looking at what it means to be a man and follow Jesus. And so if you're interested in that, there's a sign-up sheet out there in the commons, and it will have all the information on there for you um, to check out. Celebrate Recovery is having their Rewind Reboot this Thursday night. They're having a big dinner, all that kind of stuff. Um, I'd encourage you, if you are, are, are looking to get in a community that is following Jesus, kind of around the theme of recovery, to check this out. It's, it happens every Thursday night, and they would absolutely love to have you um, come and join them. Josh and Beck, where are you guys? Oh, there you are right here. So we have a new couple that just got engaged this week. So can you guys make some noise for these guys right here? Yeah. <laughs> I'm telling you, so, so Josh set this thing up so well, jo Josiah, sorry, Josiah, Josiah had it set up so well that uh, Beck had no idea that she was going to be proposed to that night. He had the destination all set up, all planned, and he had done it so well that Beck planned to go to the destination, is that right? I kind of messed that up, but he did it so well, so anyways, we just want to let you guys know. We are excited for you. Awesome. Good, good news. Um, we're doing a series right now called um, Generous and uh, looking at what it means to live generously and to give generously. You know, for the follower of Jesus, there is really no other way to live than to live, um, to, to live generously. And the reason is because we have a God who just, like we've sung about this morning, He is a God that gives over and over and over again. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he did what? He gave. He gave it all. He gave his life so that you and I can know life. And there's this verse in the Bible where Jesus actually puts it really, really clear when he's, he talks about the, the generosity of the Father. He says, if you then, um, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Our Father in heaven does not know what it means to hoard stuff for himself. He doesn't have a selfish bone, a greedy bone in his body. He, he's a generous God in every single way. He's generous with his kindness. He's generous with his peace, generous with his grace, his salvation, his Holy Spirit. He is a generous, generous God who just loves to give. And when Jesus, when he invites us into his family, when he makes us his son or his daughter, when we give our lives to him and, and he just welcomes us in, he does that not just so that we'll, we'll hoard it all to ourselves. He does that so that we'll, we'll give it away and be generous towards others in the, the same way that he's been generous towards us. 
And um, so this morning what I want to do is talk about a guy in the Bible who understood this, this truth around God's generosity and how we're called to be generous to others like God was generous to us. And this guy that we're going to talk about, he's not a very well-known guy. He doesn't get a lot of preaching time on Sunday mornings. Um, but the, the guy's name is Titus. And let me just introduce you to this guy really quick. Titus was led to Jesus by Paul. Um, Titus became a disciple of Paul's and uh, ended up going on a lot of different missionary journeys with Paul. He, was, he gave a lot of his time and energy um, serving the church alongside of Paul and uh, just traveling everywhere. And just before I give you a little bit more info about who Titus was, let me just tell you a little bit about traveling back in the day. It wasn't like traveling is today. Today, uh, we traveling is kind of looked at as being a, a luxury. It's glamorous. If you can travel, that's awesome. Back in the day, they didn't, it wasn't like that. Back in the day, it was uh, traveling mostly on foot or on the back of an animal. You had the constant danger of, of bandits, wild animals, weather. It was tough to find accommodations. Traveling wasn't fun, but that didn't stop this guy Titus from giving of himself to serve Paul in all these different churches that they visited on these trips. Well, eventually, as Titus is following Paul and serving Paul, serving churches with Paul, Titus grows and develops as a leader, and then Paul began to actually send him out on his own to serve the church in different locations. And one of these locations that Titus went to was this church that we've been talking about over the last um, several weeks, Corinth. This church was a church that had a lot of problems. It was actually a, a pretty jacked up church. The people were, I mean, there was division. There was gossip. Um, they were believing crazy stuff. One guy was even sleeping with his mom. I mean, it was like messed up. Big issues. And to deal with all this, Paul would write these, these letters. And then he would have different people go and deliver these letters to these churches to kind of help straighten out some of the issues and help teach them on what was, was the right way to live and, and the wrong way to live. Well, Titus is one of these guys that goes and delivers these, this letter. And the letters weren't necessarily full of all warm, fuzzy thoughts. They were actually letters of correction, letters of rebuke, and uh, Paul's just kind of letting them have it. One of these letters has actually become known as the severe letter because Paul's just like kind of calling them on the carpet sort of thing. Well, he gives Titus the job of delivering this. Titus is kind of like the middle manager who's, who's sent by the CEO to go tell all the employees that they've been laid off. He, he, has the, he's, he does Paul's dirty work. Paul would start a church, then he would leave, and then when things got messy, he would send in his guy, Titus, to kind of clean things up. Titus is essentially the cleanup guy. So have you ever been to a parade and you've, you watch the horses go by the, in the parade? And who's always following the horses in the parade? It's, it's the cleanup guy. He's got the wheelbarrow there and his shovel, and he's picking up horse manure and shoveling it in the, the garbage, uh, the wheelbarrow, cleaning it up. That's Titus. You kind of get a picture of his job, cleanup guy, Titus. That's, that's his role. Well, in this series on generosity, we've been looking uh, at this letter to the, the church of Corinth that we call 2 Corinthians. And in this letter, Paul's going to rebuke them some more. Um, he's going to ask them to give financially to help a, 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 a church that had some need. And who does he send to deliver this letter? That's right, Titus, the cleanup guy. And listen to what Paul says. He says, thanks be to God who put it into the heart of Titus, the same concern that I have for you. 
something that we've been looking at all throughout the series is how generosity, Christ-like generosity, it comes from, from here. It's about having a generous heart. And, and it, it, it compels you to want to give. Now, and before I, I finish reading this, this passage of Scripture here, just keep in mind something about this church. It's not an easy church to go and deliver a letter to. They had big issues. Titus is going in there with his wheelbarrow and with his shovel to deliver this letter. He has nothing to gain from serving the people from Corinth. Uh, in fact, he's most likely going to go in there and he's going to have people upset at him. He's going to deliver this letter and he's going to deal with all the fallout of the letter. He's going to face a hostile crowd. He's going to have people probably reject him as he goes in there. And, and then as he, as he appeals to people to open up their wallets and give to this need, they're most likely not all going to be super thrilled about that. He's doing Paul's grunt work, most work that people would just flat out refuse to do. Or if they do agree to do it, they're going to just kind of drag their heels and, 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 and just the whole entire way, they're just going to be resenting it, going, why, can Paul, why isn't Paul doing this himself? But Titus is not like that. In fact, he is radically different. Paul goes on to say this. He says, for Titus not only welcomed our appeal, but he is coming to you with, get this, with much enthusiasm and on his own initiative. So Titus is given this opportunity to serve in a place that's challenging, and he is practically giddy with excitement to go and serve. He has much enthusiasm. And not only that, he's doing this on his own initiative. It's almost like Paul came along, and Paul just kind of floated this idea past him. Hey, Titus, I need to get this letter to this church out there in Corinth. And Titus kind of like turns into donkey off of Shrek. He's like, oh, pick me, pick me, pick me. Let me be the guy to go. And, and he just is like, Paul, if you need this job done, hey, give me the letter. I'll go. I'm your man. Consider it done. And then off he goes on this journey that would have taken weeks, traveling over land, traveling over sea, all to go deal with this difficult group of people. You know, if it would have been me, I think I would have been like, yeah, Paul, I'll deliver the letter for you. And then I would have gone down to the, like, delivery shop and got a pigeon or something to, like, fly the letter over the Corinth. But, you know, what makes this so, so amazing, what Titus does here, I here, is that he just goes, he goes way beyond what's expected. Using the, the time, the energy, the skill, the talent that, that God's given him. And then what, what's he doing? He is giving it away generously in service to others. And what makes this so Christ-like is that not only does, does he serve these challenging people, but he does it with initiative and with, with enthusiasm. I mean, he's just like, yeah, I'm, I'm going in there with the shovel, but yeah, this is, I, I got it. I'd love, to, I'd love to go in there and do this. And as I was this week kind of prepping, a few different people in our church came to mind as I thought about serving with enthusiasm and initiative. The first people actually that jumped to my mind are a couple in our church. Their names are Johnny and Shirley Signs. And if you know Johnny and Shirley Signs, you know that they are a couple that just quietly serves behind the scenes, giving of their time, their energy, and their talent in extraordinary ways. Um, Johnny is on the, the food bank board here in town. He just loves to serve and give. You're, whenever you drop off stuff out here in the food bank bin in the commons, uh, Johnny and Shirley, they come in during the week and deliver it to the food bank. When the city does a citywide 
food bank drive and you put your, your food on the curb outside of your house, there's a good chance that Johnny's the guy that's coming by and picking that up and taking it down to the food bank. I mean, this is a retired couple that could be on the beach in Hawaii, you know, just kind of living the dream, but they're going, no, we want to we serve. And then they come in here on a, on a Sunday morning, and they, uh, they get the coffee ready during the week. They're actually the ones that are going out and picking up the supplies in Bellingham and bringing them in. That, that cup of coffee that you have, I mean, it has, been, it has been gotten and brewed with much love. Let me just tell you that. And some of you might hear this and you're thinking, oh, man, that really stinks that they have to do all that stuff. And, and that sounds like a lot of work. It actually is a lot of work. But, but if, if you were to ask them, you're going to hear something unusual in their, their, their voice, and that's enthusiasm. They love doing what, what they, they, they do. In fact, if you were to talk to Johnny long enough about what he, he does, he's going to actually start to tear up a little bit because he just loves to serve. And if you ask him why, he's going to just go back to Jesus. He's going to say, God's been so generous with me, and I just get this opportunity to go and give it away. And you know what I would just absolutely love to see eradicated from the church, and from this church in particular, is this idea that serving others is something you have to do. It's this duty that, that you have as a Christian. It's like you have, you're, you've got the wheelbarrow and you're going around picking up horse doo-doo because you know, it stinks, but somebody, somebody has to do it. I'm just telling you, this is not right, this way of thinking. And if this is your attitude about, about giving of your time and giving of your energy and giving of your talents to serve others, then something is off down here. Something's off. Something is not right. It doesn't matter how much time and energy that you give serving others. If you find that your heart is, is resenting that or just doing it begrudgingly, or you're, you don't have this enthusiasm and initiative that we're talking about here, something is off down here. Now, yes, there's going to be seasons, and there's going to be times where it's just, it's hard work, and you're just, you're having to push through, and, and you don't have that, in, that enthusiasm. But if your overall experience is, man, serving others sure stinks, but I'm a Christian, and that's just what Christians do, something, something is, is not right. Every volunteer role description in, in our church has rid, written into it the kind of culture that we want to build here at CTA Ferndale. And there's this line in there that, that I believe with all my heart. It, it goes like this. Serving alongside those you love should be one of the most fun, energizing, joy-filled adventures in this life. And I really believe that. I mean, you think about joy-filled adventures that you have, what do, what do those look like for you? Maybe for somebody, it's like hiking up to the top of Mount Baker. Somebody else, they're going, man, a joy-filled adventure. I'd love to be like shopping spree at Ballister Mall. Whatever it might be. I truly believe that when you serve alongside of others with purpose, man, it's one of the most joyful adventures that you could possibly have in this life. Yes, it will be hard work at, at times, but overall, your experience should be one of joy. And some of the best evidence of a generous heart is uh, if you want to be able to test, okay, uh, yeah, I serve, and, and uh, do I have a generous heart or not? 
one of the best indicators of that is to look at your level of enthusiasm and initiative. If you have that, it is a good indicator that you're serving out of a generous heart. If you don't have that, something, something is off. Some of the best evidence is, the, is, is selfless enthusiasm and initiative. And that word selfless in there is an important word. Um, yesterday, my, my eight-year-old was, was uh, I went downstairs, and her and her friend, one of our neighbors, they were just going to town on the house. I mean, they were cleaning stuff. They were excited. Their eyes were just lit up. They were, they were I mean, washing bathtubs and sinks and just going to town. And I'm going, I, I didn't even ask them to do this. And I'm looking at my daughter going, man, a, a kid doing something that they're not asked to do with joy and enthusiasm, enthusiasm, man, that's like, praise Jesus, revival has come to the Warner household. It was awesome. And so I go up to her, and I'm like, I just wanted to affirm this, because I'm going, man, I want more of this right here. And so I'm going, man, that's so awesome that you and your friend are just going through the house, and you're cleaning up, doing stuff that you haven't even been asked to do. Man, that's so kind of you. That's so generous of you. And then my daughter... <laughs> She looks at me with the most matter-of-fact voice and a slight roll of her eyes and says, Dad, we're just doing this so you'll give us money. She's like, okay, I see what's going on here. At least she was honest, right? At least she was honest. But, but Christ-like generosity is enthusiastic. It has a lot of initiative, but it's also selfless. And when it comes to serving others in a way that makes an eternal difference, both selfless enthusiasm and initiative are so, so important. Can you imagine if Martin Luther King Jr., when he goes to give his I have a dream speech, is lacking enthusiasm and initiative? And he stands up there at the National Mall, and he's like, I have a dream that my four little children will one day uh, live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. Not quite the same ring to it, is there? Or, or can you imagine Jesus with no enthusiasm or initiative? He's just kind of trudging his way through life. He's apologetically asking the disciples, hey, do you guys want to follow me? You know, I know it's going to be kind of hard work. Um, uh, he, he's preaching safe messages. He's sleeping in until 1 or 2 in the afternoon every single day. His heavenly father is kind of having to prod him and push him to go to the cross. You just can't even picture it, can you? But selfless enthusiasm and initiative, they matter. Now, some of you in the room, when you hear enthusiasm, you're going, okay, I guess I'm out of this one because I don't have an enthusiastic personality. I'm like major introvert. I don't, this is not about a personality. This is about having a passion. This is about going, God's blessed me so much, and I just want to give this away. The Bible says this. It says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. These need to stay red hot. Red hot. Never be lacking, but, but keep them in abundant sim- supply. And so the question that I'd like to answer in our last little bit of time this morning is, how do I cultivate selfless enthusiasm and initiative for generous service? How do I cultivate that in my life? And it's an important question to, to, to ask because if we're honest, there are times where both of these are going to go from being full on the gas tank to down to E. The, the enthusiasm tank 
We'll get dangerously low. Initiative disappears as we find ourselves just kind of struggling to get up and get going. How do I keep my zeal, our enthusiasm, initiative, how do I keep those red hot? And I want to give you three ways to do that this morning. The first is by far the most important one, and it's simply this. Stay close to Jesus. Which is pretty well the answer to everything in life. Stay close to Jesus. Stay close to him. Have you ever noticed how contagious enthusiasm and initiative are? You get around people who have enthusiasm and, and initiative, you're just, it, you, it, you're going, yeah, let's go. Um, I don't know how many of you had an, have had an opportunity to, to talk with Eric Young, our, uh, our next generation worship pastor. But he's a guy who has enthusiasm, he has initiative. And if you find yourself talking to him uh, about ministry, before you know it, you're going to be saying, Eric, I will lay down my life. I will sell everything. So just, where are we going? Sign me up. Let's go right now. Enthusiasm, initiative, it's, it's contagious. And, and when you're around people like this, you find that you just catch it. And here's why it's so important to stay close to Jesus. It's because when it comes to enthusiasm, when it comes to initiative, there is nobody that has it like Jesus does. Nobody even comes close to him. There's this time in the Bible where Jesus was serving at the temple. And by serving at the temple, uh, he, I mean, he wasn't passing out programs or playing guitar. He was serving in a little bit of a different way. Uh, people were wanting to get to God, but the pathway to God was cluttered in the temple with all kinds of stuff. There was merchants, they were selling stuff, and, and Jesus, who's passionate about people getting to God, he sees all this, and he just kind of goes off. He, he actually starts flipping tables over and, and just kind of crashing the party. Birds are flying everywhere, changes flying everywhere, cattle and sheep are baying and mooing and all that kind of stuff, and, and there's just no shortage of enthusiasm or initiative on Jesus' part. And as the disciples are kind of standing there, and I just imagine them standing there with, like, the, the, the just in stunned silence, like, what's he doing? They're standing there, and all of a sudden, the Bible says it's like a light bulb moment goes off in their head. The Bible says his disciples remembered, light bulb, that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. Doesn't that phrase just drip with enthusiasm and initiative? Jesus is consumed with zeal. Zeal is another word for passion. Passion is a very close cousin of enthusiasm. And when it comes to passion, Jesus is this all-consuming fire. He burns with it. In fact, when Jesus comes back for his bride at the end of the age, the Bible says that his eyes are going to have a look in them. The Bible says there's, there's going to be fire in his eyes, describing this, this, this passion. If the picture that you have of Jesus is some blonde, long-haired, hippie dude with a dull, blank look on his face, looking like some weak-kneed wuss, you need to get a different picture of Jesus. You need a different picture because Jesus radiates enthusiasm and passion. And when you stay close to him, when you worship him in all of his glorious splendor, and, and when you seek his face as if your life depended on it, and when you follow him into the wild, 
adventurous, unknown, you will catch his enthusiasm. You'll catch his passion. And, and you'll be eager to do whatever it takes to see his kingdom come and him push back the kingdom of darkness through whatever gifts, talents, skills, whatever it is that you have to offer him. Stay close to Jesus. Another way to cultivate selfless enthusiasm in initiative for generous service is to stir it up. To stir it up. What does that mean? Well, let me, let me explain. A lot of times when it comes to enthusiasm in particular, we have this way of thinking that, that we're kind of, at, the, we're, we're, we're kind of at, at, at its mercy. If I wake up in the morning and I have, I have enthusiasm, then great. This is going to be an awesome day. But if I wake up in the morning and I'm just, it's not there, I just don't feel like doing anything, I just want to stay in bed all day, then, man, that stinks. This is going to be a bit of a rotten day. That's not quite how it works. You can actually do something to stir it up. And there's two verses in the Bible that describe this. One is referring to God, and the other to a man named Timothy. And, and listen to what the Bible says about God in Isaiah 42. It says, the Lord will march out like a champion. I love that that line's in the Bible. Like a warrior, he will stir up his zeal. With a shout, he will raise the battle cry and will triumph over his enemies. So if you need a better picture of Jesus than doll, wussy, blank-faced Jesus, here's your picture right here, okay? Here's your picture. He's a champion. He's a warrior. He sounds like he's Braveheart raising a battle cry. He is kicking some serious enemy butt. That's what's going on here. The other verse uh, has to do with Timothy, and it talks about Timothy stirring stuff up. This is Paul writing to Timothy, his young disciple, and he says this. Therefore, I remind you to stir up, there's that, that, that phrase again, stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of, uh, and of a sound mind. And the picture here is that Timothy has been given a gift. God has come along and God has been generous with Timothy and said, hey, I've given you this, this gift God's, God is saying, stir it up. Another version of the Bible says, fan it into flame. And it's like God is saying, don't let this, this fire in you to serve others. Don't let it die down. Keep it hot. Don't let fear stop you from serving. The Spirit of God is living in you. The Spirit of this champion who marches out like a warrior is inside of you. Stir it up. And you want to know what it means to stir something up? It means you begin to move. You begin to move. This last week, I did something that I never have done in my life. I made zucchini bread. And uh, I, it turned out pretty good, just saying. But, but uh, I get there and um, pull up my little recipe. And I know some of you don't do recipes, but I'm a total cheater. I go on allrecipes.com. I just find the one that has the most reviews and the highest number of stars. I'm like, okay, that's probably going to work. So... I pull up my recipe, I get the eggs, I put the eggs in there, I put the milk in there, I put the cinnamon in there, I put the flour in there, I put the sugar in there, and I'm not going to tell you the rest because it's, it's my secret recipe from this point on, okay? <laughs> but <laughs> I put it all in there, and, and it's just kind of sitting there, though. All the ingredients, they, they have a purpose, but they're just sitting there, and what needs to happen is I need to grab that wooden spoon, and I need to begin to stir. What am I doing when I'm stirring? There is movement happening. 
there's action happening. And when you start stirring stuff together that's in that bowl, mixing it up, pretty soon you have the makings of some pretty great zucchini bread. But you've got to get stirring it. There needs to be movement. Movement. How does God stir up his zeal? Well, the Bible says he marches, he moves, he raises a battle cry. Now, I've never been in military combat, but I've watched enough war movies, m- movies and seen enough documentaries that I know that when the, 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 the soldiers are getting ready to go into battle and they all start raising the, the battle cry, something happens. They go from being afraid to all of a sudden they've got this adrenaline-filled enthusiasm. How does Timothy stir up his gift? He uses the gift that God's given him. He doesn't let fear get in the way. Rather than sit idly by waiting for enthusiasm and passion to come, Paul says, you know, get out there and use this gift. Stir it up. Teach. Preach. You've been given this gift. Use it. My question for us is, is what is your gift, your passion, your talent that God's given you that maybe used to be a source of enthusiasm, but now it's, it's not because you've just allowed it to sit for too long? You know, I think that picture of the bowl and all the ingredients in it, you know, tragically, I think that's a picture of a lot of the church where you, we're like a big bowl here today. All these ingredients. What, what could happen in our city, in our county, if, if we just begin to stir things up and if we just begin to go and do what God was asking us to do, if we just begin to function and work in those gifts that, that, that God's given us. Do you want that enthusiasm and initiative to return? Stir it up. Begin to use that gift again, and, and you'll find enthusiasm will, will quickly return. And then the last thing that you can do to cultivate enthusiasm and initiative for generous service is to remember who it is you're, you're really serving. Remember who it is you're really serving. So when you serve, you, you can serve and give of yourself with, with two different perspectives. You can go either you're primarily serving people, or you can go, I'm actually primarily, this is really all about serving, serving God. And if it's primarily for people, chances are your enthusiasm and initiative are eventually going to fade out. Because here's the deal with people. People can be thankless. People can disappoint you. You can find yourself giving above and beyond, and, 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 and it's just not going like you thought it would, and just doesn't seem to be the gratitude or whatever. People can disappoint you, but the Bible gives us the way to keep this from happening. It says this. It says, work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. Work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord. You see, when you remember that you're serving is ultimately for Jesus, enthusiasm and initiative can stay red hot. Why? Because Jesus does not disappoint. Jesus, Jesus is, is a generous God whose love for us does not ever change. And, and going back to Titus, this guy who, who did all Paul's dirty work, he kept his, his enthusiasm and his initiative strong. And uh, there's a situation later on in um, in, in Paul's life where Paul uh, wanted to go on a missionary journey to this place called Crete. It was an island. And he brings Titus along with him. They go to this island of Crete and they, they preach the good news. A church is formed. 
And then like Paul uh, typically does, Paul then leaves and he goes to another place. Only this time, he actually leaves Titus in Crete. He's like, Titus, I'm taking off. You're going to stay here and oversee things. And later on, Paul would write to Titus uh, a letter that's actually in our Bible. It's called Titus. And uh, <laughs> if you have to come up with a name for a letter, why not name it after the guy you're writing it to? And, and he writes this letter to, to Titus um, while he's in Crete serving the church there. And Paul says some things about the, the people from Crete called Cretans that are actually pretty shocking that he would even write these and they'd be recorded in the Bible. But he says this in Titus 1, 12, and 16. I don't think it's on the screen, but he says this. Cretans are always liars, evil brutes, lazy gluttons. They are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. Wow. Now, doesn't that just sound like a great bunch of people that you just want to go and spend the rest of your life, like, just serving and giving your life to? But Titus does, and he sticks with this group of people he would actually go on to live and die serving the people of Crete, laying down his life for these liars, brutes, lazy gluttons. And, and how did he do this? Well, it started with God putting it in his heart. God had put it in his heart to want to give his life away. He had had an encounter with a generous God who gave his life for him. And, and now he wanted to serve and give it away. And as a result of his generous servanthood, lives were changed. The impact Titus made on the people of Crete was actually significant. If you were to go online today and just Google Crete and, and tie Titus in with that, you're going to see that there are towns named, named after Titus. There are churches named after Titus. I mean, this is thousands of years later. This guy had had an impact. He made a difference. And listen, God has given you every single person. When you, when you give your life to Christ, he, His Holy Spirit, He gives you a gift. 1 Corinthians 12 to 14 talks all about this. God has given you a unique gift, personality, skill set, life experience, passion. Will you hoard it for yourself is the question. Or will you give it away? Will you hold that like this with a closed fist? Or will you hold that like this going, I just want to serve others. Jesus has served me, giving his life for me. I just want to serve others. Lord, this is yours. Work through me to serve people however you choose. And we're going to wrap up this morning in the same way that we've been wrapping up the last couple weeks. And I'm going to ask you if you would just bow your head all across this room this morning. If you could just bow your head. I just simply want to ask you a question. We're not going to do anything weird, none of that kind of stuff. But I want to I ask if you would pray this prayer. And it's a real simple prayer. It goes like this. Lord, what are you saying to me? Lord, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to me? Not... not not, Lord, what are you saying to my neighbor? Or, Lord, yeah, there's a bunch of people here that need to hear this message this morning. Lord, what are you saying to me? Lord, how do you want to live, how do you want me to live differently as a result of what I've just heard preached from your word in the last 30 minutes? Lord, give me a heart that serves with selfless 
enthusiasm initiative. Lord, what are you saying to me? Just take a couple minutes to listen. Take a couple moments to, to let the Spirit of God speak to you here this morning. Heavenly Father, you've given us the example of what selfless service looks like. You've given us the example of what it looks like to give our lives for the sake of others with God not dragging our feet or with this sense of God begrudging duty. God, you've given us the example of what it looks like to do that with enthusiasm and with drive and initiative. Lord, you didn't come to be served but to serve. You came to give your life away as a ransom for us. And Father, I pray that you would you would help us, Lord, to be like you. Help us, Jesus, to be a people that, that, that is generous in the way that we serve others. Lord, I lift up the moms and the dads in the room today, and I pray, Jesus, that, Lord, they would be generous in the way that they serve their kids. God, I pray that they would be just joyfully laying down their lives for their, their family. God, I pray for, for, for students in the room today. Lord, uh, who are maybe still living at home, I pray, God, that, Father, they would, would just, God, move to a place of just serving and giving their lives away with generosity. Father, I pray where we find ourselves during the week, whether that's in our workplace, God, whether it's helping out here at the church, whether it's helping out in the community, Father, I pray that we would be people whose hearts have been transformed by this, this, this servant Jesus and, and we are just serving like you, and we're doing it in a way, Jesus, that, that magnifies you, and that we're just finding joy in it, we're finding life in it, we're doing it with initiative. Father, I pray that you would shape that kind of a heart in us. And Lord, I want to lift up anybody that's here in the room today that's, that's just, God, they're going, man, this talk about serving others and giving away my life, man, I've been there, done that. I got burnt I, got, I just gave it all and I'm just left frying, fried. God, I, I pray for that person this morning. And Lord, I pray that here right now in this moment, that God, your Holy Spirit would begin to, God, light a flame. God, I pray that, that you would, God, if there's not even a, a spark, I pray that even right now, Jesus, you would cause a spark to take place. And then Holy Spirit begin to breathe on that so that it becomes just this, this, this fire, this consuming fire that's just caught up in serving you, Jesus, and in giving those, those gifts and those talents and those passions away in service to others. Father, I pray, oh Jesus, we would be a, a church that is lit up about serving others. May that be true of us, God, where we're serving others, serving alongside of others. God, is, is just one of the most joy-filled adventures that we could ever have in this life. Let that be reality, I pray. We ask all this in your good name, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. I would just want to leave you with one thing. Let's be not just hearers of the word, but let's be doers also. And whatever it is that God is speaking to you about, whatever it is, I'd encourage you just to, just to begin to do it. Stir it up. Get some movement happening in your life. If you don't know where to go next, maybe you're going, man, I'm not hearing anything, Rich. You know, I'd love to chat with you and talk with you about what that could look like. One of the reasons that we have 
this thing called church leadership is to equip God's people for works of service. And one of the reasons that I'm here is, is not just to stand up and preach, it's to help you and our, our leadership team, our staff, we're here to help you find out where it is that God has specifically gifted you to serve others. And so if you need help, you want to talk to somebody, I'd be more than happy to have that conversation with you. We're going to have a prayer team down here. They would love to have that conversation with you. But begin to get some movement stirred up.